Hey, this is Josh Herrera, and I'm the pastor of Lighthouse Church North County, and this is our podcast. Wherever you are and however you are listening, I want to say thank you for tuning in to what we are teaching at Lighthouse. Our desire is that these messages would help you to fulfill your God-given potential. If this message impacts you, share it with someone you know. We are on this journey together, becoming more like Jesus, one day and one step at a time. Now here's today's message. We hope it blesses you. We're going to jump right into the scripture. If you don't mind, I'm going to read a little bit. Uh, So if you want to get out your Bibles, if you uh, have highlighters and notepads and all that good stuff, it's going to be 2 Kings chapter 7, verse number 1 through 9. 2 Kings chapter 7, verse number 1 through 9. The Bible says, Elisha replied, hear the word of the Lord. This is what the Lord says, about this time tomorrow, a seah of the finest flour will sell for a shackle, a shekel, and two seahs of barley for a shekel at the gate of Samaria. The officer on whose the arm the king was leaning said to the man of God, look, even if this should open the floodgates of heavens, this couldn't happen. And Elisha replies, you will see this with your own eyes, he answered, but you will not eat any of it. Verse 3, now there were four men with leprosy at the entrance of the city gate. And they said to each other, why stay here until we die? If we say we'll go to the city, the famine is there and we will die. If we stay here, we will die. So let's go over to the camp of the Arameans and surrender. If they spare us, we live. But if they kill us, then we die. At dusk, they got up and went to the camp of the Arameans. And when they reached the edge of the camp, no one was there, for the Lord had caused the Arameans to hear the sound of chariots and horses and a great army, so that they said to one to another, Look, the king of Israel has hired the Egyptian kings to attack us. So they got up and they fled at dusk. They took everything. They abandoned their tents, and they left the camp and ran for their lives. Verse 8, the men who had leprosy reached the edge of the camp, entered one tent, and ate and drank. Then they took the silver gold clothes and they went and hid it and they did it again. Then they said in verse 9, what we're doing is not right. And this is the day of good news and we can't keep it to ourselves. I want to talk to you simply tonight for a few moments about this is the day of good news. Let's pray real quick. God, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for on this first Wednesday coming together. We open our hearts and our minds to receive all that you have for us today. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. You can be seated in heavenly places. Ushers, if I can get you to help everyone out of the kitchen into the living room, that would be amazing. Uh, This is a great scripture, I think, for the times that we live in. Um, And I think we need more than anything to bring good news uh, to a bad situation, a bad crisis that we are in in this world. Uh, And I feel God even needs us to bring a good word to those we love. Uh, When Elisha, let me set the context of 2 Kings, there is an extreme famine in the land. So much to the point that unemployment is at an all-time high and supplies are at an all-time low. You would think, man, why don't the leaders of that day just step up and kind of fix this problem and lean into it and step into it? And, uh, and if you, would to, you were to read chapter 6, you would see that even leadership wasn't the answer because the king uh, was walking and there was a lady who said, why don't we eat your baby today and we'll eat my baby tomorrow. It was such a dire situation that they were in. But I thank God for a man of God who had a word in a bad situation and in a bad season. Because the Bible says, Elisha, that he replied, 
hear the word of the Lord. He didn't say hear my opinion, didn't hear, don't hear my ideologies or philosophies, but hear the word of the Lord. This is what the Lord says, by this time tomorrow. I'm so excited that tomorrow is not an enemy of the believer, but tomorrow is actually an, a, a revealing of the promise that God has given us. We have hope for our future. Everyone has an opinion, but not everybody has a word. Verse 2, uh, he talked about the king uh, was leaning on the soldier. And while he was leaning on the soldier, let me ask you this. Who are you leaning on in times of crisis? As he's leaning on the soldier, the soldier says, even if the, uh, the windows of heaven were to open, we wouldn't, we wouldn't be able to experience this. And he said, you know what? You're going to see it with your own eyes, but you're not going to be able to receive it. Faith has, does not have the power to create. The word creates, and faith takes what the word creates. He said, you're not going to be able to take it, but that doesn't mean it's not going to happen. The Bible says, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. Everything that was made was made by God. He created the foundations. He created the world by his word, but we possess the land by faith. I want to learn Spanish, but I, my faith doesn't create the Spanish language. The words already exist, but faith allows me to enter into a commitment that allows me to be in a conversation to take what is available to me. Salvation by his word is made available to all men, but faith allows me to enter in and to take that word. What is the word of the Lord? It is available to us that we can take the reality of God and we have a good word in a bad situation. Uh, why God needs us to bring a good word to those we love. Uh, number two, in your note-taking outlines, a good word brings steps of certainty to steps of uncertainty. A good word brings steps of certainty to steps of uncertainty. So it goes from this picture of a famine and Elisha having a word, and it switches to the four leprous men. I like this because it is God painting a picture of his amazing grace through unlikely people. Isn't that how God works? He uses the most unlikely people in the most unlikely circumstances to ultimately show his glory and show off his strength. It is not our Christian strength, but his strength as our Christ saving us in times of need. The four leprous men, uh, they begin to sit down in what I call a circle of concern. If you can imagine it with me, a circle of concern. They are sitting right in the middle. And this is what a circle of concern does. They say, if we stay here, we'll die. If we go back to the city, there's a famine there, we'll die. If we go to the camp, uh, the soldiers, they may let us live, but they also may kill us. And then if they kill us, then we die. The circle of concern is a place where the human begins to create multiple scenarios in their life to try to find some sense of control when they feel out of control. If I get the stimulus check, then I can pay the rent. But if I don't get the stimulus check, then I can borrow from my brother. But if my brother doesn't give me the money, then maybe uh, the, the landlord will hold back. But if the landlord doesn't hold back, then perhaps the governor will put a law in place. And I begin to think, and in my mind, I'm trying to find a savior outside of my savior. 
for those of you who have ever experienced illness or been diagnosed with cancer, this is what the circle of concerns looks like. If I take the chemo, I may live. But if I don't take the chemo, I might die. But if I take the chemo and it kills my good cells, then I might die. But the preacher said if I prayed, I might live. But even if I prayed, I've seen people die. And if I take juice, then I might live. And if I don't take juice, then I might die. To the addicted spouse, if, if I tell my wife, she might leave me. But if she doesn't leave me, I might leave her. And if I leave her, then have you ever been in the circle of concern trying to wrap your head around realities that you can't seem to wrap your head around? They keep going and circling. You, you know, when the Bible describes, when Jesus describes evil, he said their eyes were filled with evil and darkness filled their soul. The word evil had nothing to do with pitchforks. It had everything to do with an, uh, a laboring of one's mind. It is evil for us to sit in a circle and worry ourselves and not be able to sleep at night and not be able to, uh, to, 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 to even breathe correctly. It is evil when we do not trust the Lord and release. You know what? God has the greatest scenario set up for you already. And the leprous men, uh, they were trying to make a good decision or a bad decision. Sometimes life is not about a good decision or a bad decision. It's about the next decision. Sometimes it's not about what I'm going to do next year or next month, but what I'm going to do to get through this day. Sometimes it's not about how, how well I can breathe, but can I get through the next breath? Uh, I may not be able to sleep 12 hours or 10 hours or 5 hours or 3, but can I sleep 1 hour? It's about making the next decision. So as they go through these scenarios over and over in their mind, they come to what they concluded is the best scenario. And they began to head towards the, tent, uh, the camp, and the Bible says that they got up. Now, this is interesting if you read verse 5, 6, and 7, that three things at one time happened. Three things at one time it happened. It said this, and at sunset that the leprous men got up. And at sunset, the enemies and the soldiers heard chariots from heaven, thought they were going to die, and they fled the camp. Which means when they got up, at the same time they got up, the enemy got out. When the, the same moment they decided, I'm going to step out or I'm going to step in to what God's promised me, then the enemy stepped out. Because the Bible says perfect love cast out all fear. Which means love and fear cannot coexist in the same place at the same time. Fear has a social distancing issue with love and it has to keep its distance because it cannot occupy the same place as love. So when you are lifted by God's love and begin to step out in faith, everything that is in your way is removed by God's word. When you begin to get up, it gets out. Now, you're not getting up on your own might, on your own willpower. But as Paul told Timothy, stand strong in the grace of God, which means he's going to strengthen you in areas you were paralyzed and cause you to get up and step out in areas you were fearful. You want to learn to walk by faith, but I've never seen a child learn to walk until he first learned to stand. And this is the season when you've done all you can do. Stand ye therefore. Stand in the finished work of, of God. Stand in the finished work of Christ. Stand in his promises. Everything has changed, but nothing has changed because if he said it then, it's still true now. And you got to contend for the word because if you have faith for your future, you will have power in your present. If you have faith for your future, you will have power in your present. I want to encourage you right now just to physically get up, get up, get up. Okay, go ahead, sit down, sit down, sit down. Because when you get up, 
the enemy has to get out. When you get up, the enemy has to get out. Number three, and in closing, a good word brings today's miracle to yesterday's fear. A good word brings today's miracle to yesterday's fear. I want you to see this. As they get up, and as they begin to make their way to the camp, I love this, because their biggest concern was that when they got there, that they would be at the mercy of these soldiers who would decide if they live or die. But by the time they got there, the thing that they were worried about wasn't even there. Have you ever worried so much about something, and by the time you got there, your the decision's not in somebody else's hands. The decision is in God's hands. They're not determining your destiny. God determines your destiny. So when you, they get there, they, 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 they say, they're not even here. I don't even know how to deal with this. I, I met with some pastors about four months ago, and I find it interesting because one of their biggest concerns was that the average uh, church attender was only coming to a physical location one time a month. And everybody are, are, are from their uh, assumption that everybody was switching to online. And they seem to think that online church was the issue. I want to fast forward to today. The biggest problem of yesterday was actually going to be the greatest solution of today. The biggest fear of yesterday was actually going to be the greatest miracle of today. It reminds me of what the enemy meant for evil, God turned for the good. I don't have to worry about tomorrow because tomorrow has its own set of worries. And by the time I get there, God will give me grace for the new problem and a new day. Have you ever uh, told somebody, I, I don't know how you've been through that. I don't know how I could ever get through that. You can't get through that because you're not to it. But if grace gets you up and gets you through it, grace will get you to it. Grace will lift you up. It's like a rock dropping in water. The water rises to the level of the weight. And grace always rises to the level of crisis and need. So it will meet you wherever you at, you're at. And it will empower you in places that you didn't have for yesterday your your tomorrow is big but it's nothing to fear because you're going to have more strength and grace to walk in it like never before you're like I, I i couldn't see myself doing that you can't see yourself doing that today but keep walking god's going to give you strength to do things that you wouldn't normally do that was the old you that was the insecure you but god's going to put a grace of confidence in you to minister like never before as they come to the camp nobody's there this seems too good to be true this is the gospel message when you hear the gospel it should sound too good to be true and they look and they're like there's nobody here can we can we go in there's nobody here yeah you watch out for me i'll watch out for you i'm just adding a little bit and and they and they go into the camp and they go into the first tent and they grab some things and as they grab the things they still have a leprous mindset and they take those things back to the circle of concern and they go and hide they're like, can we do this again? What else can we get away with? And they go in and they begin to get more supplies from the second tent. And, and they come and they run and they go and hide. And they said, today is the day of good news. we got to go tell somebody. Let me take Old Testament typology and give you some New Testament theology. As you walk into the camp as leprous, as a leprous human, as a sinful human who has been uh, exposed to death been rejected by humans 
living on the outside of the city gate. As you walk into the camp, or let me say it this way, as you come into Christ, as you walk into Christ, and as Christ comes into you, everything in the camp belongs to you. And everything you need now and for the future, you already possess it in Christ. This is the gospel, Psalms 23, that he, the Lord is my shepherd and I lack no good thing. A lot of times we say, you know, we're not in control. And we're not in control, but that's, that's language of despair, but that's not the exact language of the believer. We're not in control in the ocean, but we're not in the ocean technically. We're in the boat that's in the ocean. We're not in control uh, when we're in the air, but we're not technically just in the air. We're in the plane that's in the air. And we're not just in this out-of-control world, but we're in Christ in this world. So we have a safe place and a confidence and a security in Christ that no matter how out of control the world is, I can trust in Jesus through every season and situation of my life. Come on, give God a hand clap of praise. Lift your hands. Tis so sweet to trust in Jesus and just to take him at his word. This is the good news that I once was dead, but now I'm alive. I once was blind, but now I see. This is the good news that the Bible declares even when you're faithless that he's faithful, which means it doesn't depend on the strength of your faith in hard times, but it depends on the strength of your Savior. And if you can use a little bit of faith in the right direction, it can go a whole long ways. Just a little, a, a grain of mustard seed, if I can just put it, it is not the strength of my faith it is the strength of my savior it is the object of my faith and it's not fun to surrender control but it is blessed to see the results of Jesus working when I surrender control the illusion is that you had control you're surrendering something you never really had what you're really doing is opening up your mind and your heart and your spirit and saying, Lord, you are the king of my insecurities. You are the king of my provision. You are the king. This is the good news. Not that I worked my way up to God, but that God worked his way down to me. Not that I found Jesus or loved him first, as John said, but that he first loved me and I responded to his love. He didn't find me in a palace of perfection, but he found me in a basement of grace. He picked me up and he said, I'm going to keep you, son. I'm going to keep you, daughter, and I'm going to hug you and love you through every situation in your life. This is good news. I want to pray for you as you're in your room and living rooms and wherever you are, I want you to open your heart. We are carriers of God's spirit. He's not just coming upon you. He's coming in you. The Lord is your shepherd. You shall not lack any good thing. Goodness and mercy will follow you all the days of your life. I declare that fear has no hold over you. I declare that anxiety is a worry of the future, but the Father has the plan and holds my future perfectly. I declare depression is a focus on the past, but my past is currently and has been redeemed by the blood of Jesus. And I declare in this moment that the joy of the Lord is my strength. Would you today 
just lift your hands in a posture of surrender. We're going to worship. We're going to thank God. Maybe I failed to reach you with my words, but I would ask that the Holy Spirit begin to minister to your heart, minister to your family, begin to lift you up and encourage you, begin to touch your life. In the name of Jesus, we pray. If this message has blessed your life, I want to encourage you to share this message with others or go online to our website and consider making a donation so that we can continue bringing you content just like today's message. God bless you.